Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're continuing our series through the book of Ephesians this morning. And we have a wonderful passage to study this morning that I'm eager to get into and study and meditate on with you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in front of you underneath the, the chair. And uh, can anyone shout out the page number on the Pew Bible? Anyone? I forgot to look it up. 976. Thank you so much. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be focusing here on verses 7 through 12, uh, but we'll just begin in verse 1 and read to verse 14. The Word of God reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come together this morning, Lord, we set apart everything else, Lord. We, 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 we push that all away and we show up and we're here, Lord, to bless your holy name. Because you, O oh Lord, are the fountain of all spiritual blessings. Father, you are the source of all the blessings of salvation and redemption. And you've given them to us through your Son and by your Spirit. And so we're here, Lord. We're here, Father, to bless you for blessing us. There is 
No one like you, Lord. There is no God like our God. Thank you for pouring out your mercy and grace upon us. Would you do so more and more this morning, Lord? And Father, would you forgive us? Forgive us who have trusted in you, Lord, but have forgotten how richly you've blessed us. Forgive us for how little we praise you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for our ingratitude. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for the, the, the weakness, Lord, of our praise. And we ask, Father, that you would cause our praise, Lord, to grow deeper, more heartfelt, Lord, and may it be more often as we meditate and rejoice in all that you are and all that you've done for us. Please bless our time this morning as we read and study your word. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I have to say that I have, I have the best job in the world this morning. Uh, and that's, that's not just being a pastor, although I do think that that's the best job in the world. No, no offense to anybody else. Uh, you probably all think your jobs are the best jobs in the world, too. But I get to open the Word of God and, and follow the Apostle Paul's section of praise here to God and, and essentially just focus on this one simple task to help you realize that if you have believed in Jesus Christ, that you are ridiculously blessed. Isn't that a great topic for a sermon? You are blessed beyond belief. You're ultra blessed. You're crazy blessed. It's, it's literally mind-blowing how blessed you are. And unfortunately, we can forget. We can not keep that before our minds. And when we do so, it robs us of joy in our Christian life. It's the source of our grumbling and our complaining. And it keeps us from living lives that are marked by abundant and overflowing praise to God. It keeps us from living thankful lives. We are, if we are in Christ, ridiculously blessed. That's really the, the point of this section of Paul's letter. I want you to, to notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's yours if you believe in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And then just the words that Paul uses throughout is just, just helps us to realize that this, these blessings are coming to us in abundance. We see every spiritual blessing mentioned in verse 3. Then in verse 6, we see, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has lavished upon us. We see mentions of the riches of his grace. We see mention of him bestowing these things. All of this helps us to understand that we are blessed beyond belief. And so for the Christian listening, this is for you to remember how blessed you are. And that in remembering how blessed you are, you do the exact same thing that Paul does, and you erupt with praise and thanksgiving to God. A summary of chapter 1, verses 1 to 23 by 
Clinton Arnold, he, he writes from Paul, he says that Paul has carefully crafted a heartfelt expression of praise to God for his extraordinary plan of salvation, which he sees as a manifestation of his glory and grace. God imparts abundant blessings through the Spirit to all who are connected to Jesus Christ in a dynamic personal relationship. Before he created the world, God lovingly chose a people for himself and devised a way of freeing them from their enslavement to sin. One day, God will bring all of his rebellious creation under the reign of Jesus Christ. That's why we praise him. Because he is the God who has blessed us and has provided for us this, these riches of salvation. Pastor Kenny mentioned to me that some of the ways that people divide up the book of Ephesians is, is one through three, you see the wealth. The wealth of the reality of salvation that we have in Christ. And then verses four and five, the, the walk that we are then to walk in light of that wealth. We don't walk to try to get the wealth. But having received the wealth as a gift of his grace, we then live grateful lives, joyful lives to God because of that wealth. And so the indicatives of our section are not just standalone, although we could study them on their own, which we're doing, but they're meant to be applied and to be the foundation for all the ethical living that is mentioned in the rest of this, this book. And so keep that in mind. But for the purposes of what we're looking at this morning, I want us to walk out of this place thinking these words from the lyric, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. It says, yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still my own. I want you to know the richness of your condition if you are in Christ. Do you understand it? Do you, do you realize how blessed you are? Do you realize what God has done for you in Christ? Have you taken it to heart? Is it a source of joy and praise and thanksgiving to you? Or, or do you take it for granted? And are you, you, you grumpy and miserable and, and you're mad because you want more stuff? Or have you, you realized that you have been abundantly blessed in Christ and it's leading to your joyful life and obedience you are so wealthy you are so wealthy i want you to walk out of here knowing that i am blessed beyond belief if i am in christ for the non-christian here i also am preaching this sermon for you because if you are not a believer in jesus yet my job is also very simple as well i want to remind you of how impoverished we all were outside of Christ, which is the current condition or state that you're in right now. How spiritually impoverished and poor and naked we were. But then to show you how blessed those who are in Christ are. And that by looking and seeing the blessings that Christians enjoy, to see the blessings that God pours out on those who put their faith in Jesus, you look at that and think, man, they are so blessed. Can I be that blessed? And my answer to you is, of course. Absolutely. Put your faith in Christ and you will be that blessed. You know, Solomon, uh, 
back in the day, was crazy blessed by God with wisdom and with wealth. And there was, there, there was the queen of Sheba who heard about his riches, and she came and she wanted to check it out for herself. What's going on with this guy's kingdom? What's going on with his wisdom? What's going on with all the wealth that God has blessed him with? And she showed up, and she saw it all with her eyes, and she ate the food, and she saw the worship, and she saw the priests, and she saw the sacrifices, and she quizzed Solomon and asked all her hard questions to him. And then she said that in light of all that stuff, that there was no more breath in her. She was breathless over how blessed Solomon and his kingdom were, what, how God had blessed him. And she came to this conclusion. She said, happy are your men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God. That's what I want for you if you're outside of Christ this morning. I want you to see the richness of the blessings that God has given, not through Solomon, but through the one greater than Solomon, his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And seeing those blessings, be amazed and come and enjoy them for yourself. So let's get into this text here. The main idea of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 through 10 that we're studying this morning is that there are three spiritual blessings graciously given to believers in Jesus so that our hearts will overflow with praise, thanksgiving, and joyful obedience to God. Uh, in your notes, you, you have an outline there uh, with some blanks that you can fill in so you can go ahead and track along with those as we go. But let's move to the first spiritual blessing that our text mentions this morning and that is the spiritual blessing of redemption notice verse 7 it says in him speaking of in christ or you you could say by christ we have redemption through his blood so if you just notice right off the back this spiritual blessing comes to us from the father through the son by the son in the Son, you cannot have this blessing of redemption, which is our, literally our greatest need. You cannot have this blessing if you are not receiving it from the Son. This blessing comes from the Father to us by the Son. And then, not just by the Son, but in particularly through His blood. This is the redemption that has been promised to us. And now when you hear the word redemption, maybe you're not instantly drawn to praise God. Maybe that word seems like, I don't really use that word. It doesn't really hit home for me. But when you hear the word redemption, it, it should cause our hearts to leap. When you hear the word redemption, it, you, you should have like an immediate smile come, come over your face. So let's try this. Redemption. Uh, you guys do so much better, but I had to teach you that. So uh, let, <laughs> let's let the Lord teach you that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that word is maybe not so close to us, but let me just give an example of that maybe will help us understand this more and the reaction we should have to redemption. Redemption speaks of being set free, okay? Uh, how many of you guys have ever played Capture the Flag? You already know where I'm going with this. You're already smiling. Uh, there, there's, there's, so in capture the flag, you know, you're trying to get the other flag, bring it back. But if you get tagged on the other side, what happens to you? You go to jail. You go to jail. And, and any of you ever got caught, like, right at the beginning, you were in jail, like, the whole game, and it was terrible? 
That was you, right? Especially if you're the slow kid, right? Uh, you're just like, man, I just, I, I, I'm in jail like the whole game. I, I, I hate this game, right? I, I just want to get out. Somebody rescue me, right? So you, you're pining in the prison, and, and you want someone to rescue you. And, and there's a provision for that in the game. If one of your teammates comes, makes it across, doesn't get tags, and tags you, makes it to the jail, then what happens? You're free, but what do we call that? The jailbreak. You don't remember that? Did you guys call it a jailbreak? Yeah, okay, so what do we call that? They call it a jailbreak. Yeah, but, or redemption. That's redemption. And, and you can think about jailbreak. And what is everyone, when, when you know, the, the teammate makes it and rescues you, is everyone like, nah. jailbreak. You know, like, no, it's like, jailbreak! Right? Like, and you like run back, right? It, it's amazing because you're realizing, I've just been set free. I'm back in the game. Like, I'm back in the game. I get to participate. I get to go. I've been set free. I'm out of this prison. Uh, we're like, you know, and you're like leaping out of the, 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 the stalls like a calf. Just set free. So glorious. So that's how we should think about redemption. Redemption should make you think of the concepts of freedom, but also uh, add into that the concept of that freedom coming at a price. It's the, the concept of freedom and a debt payment. And so it's not just that, you know, you, you messed up, you got tagged, and you're in prison, but, but you sinned against God, and you were in prison to sin and to Satan and, and enslaved, and you had no way of getting out of that prison on your own. You needed someone else to come. You needed someone else to set you free, and you needed someone not just to tag your hand, but you needed someone to bleed for your soul. And that's exactly what Christ did to set us free. One theological dictionary defined redemption in this way says that it is the act of freeing or the state of being freed from bondage such, that as, such as that of a prisoner or slave by payment of a ransom. And this is exactly what Jesus said he came to do. He says in Mark 10, 45, that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. So if you're here and you're not a Christian and, and, and you're like, man, maybe I am enslaved. Maybe I, I do, I, maybe I do have an issue with this sin problem. Maybe I am just following the course of this world, as we'll see in Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe I do need rescuing from this prison. We want you to know that you can have that because that's exactly what Christ came to do. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom to pay the price, to set us free. And he did that, it says, through his blood. What was the price? The price was his blood. He paid the death penalty for us so that we could be set free. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that in verse 18, that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And what's so glorious, you guys, is that Paul is saying right here that in Christ, in him, we have redemption. That is our present possession. So if you have your faith in Jesus, and you have Jesus, and Jesus has you, then you have the redemption that he gives, and you have it now. It's your possession now. Do you realize how blessed you are? to have that, 
Does joy come flowing out of your heart when you think about, I am redeemed. I have redemption in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And notice that nothing of our works, nothing of our good deeds, nothing of any of that is mentioned here. It's coming to us. This spiritual blessing is coming from the Father, through the Son, through the Son's blood. So he poured it out in death for us. And it's given to us. And what it says next is, according to the riches of his grace. Not, not because you got your act together, not because you, you know, you're better than the person next to you, but according or keeping with the standard of who God is, which is a gracious God. He, he, he overflowed with love and grace and mercy by sending his son to come and to die on the cross for our sins. And he gives us redemption. And this redemption is described as the forgiveness of our trespasses. So we have the forgiveness of our trespasses, not according to our works, but according to God's grace. And that should comfort us. That should make us sing. That should make us praise the Lord. How many of you need grace and you know that? How many of you realize that that grace has been abundantly poured out? That is your gift that the Father gives you through the Son so that you can be one with them. And I want you just to notice in that phrase, the forgiveness of our trespasses, that th this, is not, this is not meaning that just one sin or just a couple sins have been forgiven. But we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. We have the forgiveness of all of them. Not just the sins that we committed, you know, before the time we became believers or the, before the time that we got baptized. But we got, we, we got our sins paid for by the blood of Christ, all of them from the beginning of our lives to the very end of our lives. Before we came to Christ and after we came to Christ, we have all our sins and trespasses paid for by the blood of Christ. It's complete. It's not lacking. It's totally sufficient. You, you, you can't like, you know, uh, try to add on more that that grace cannot extend and superabound past. That's how glorious the riches and the depth and the wealth of God's grace is. It's incredible. And, and notice what it says here in verse 8, that he has lavished this upon us. He has lavished this grace upon us. And I love that word. It's a beautiful word. When I think of lavish, I think of what I'd do to waffles and pancakes with my butter and my, and my syrup. <laughs> and, and I'm like, just more, right? More. Or, or, like, uh, I, or what I do to my, my pasta with that Parmesan. And the person comes over and they're like, sir, how much Parmesan would you like? And I want to lavish it on that, on that pasta. I want more. You're going to be here for a while. Is your hand starting to hurt? Like, how much is in there? Is there going to be enough? Maybe you're going to go back to the kitchen, right, and get some more. Because I want abundant parmesan on my pasta lavish it <laughs> god lavishes his grace on us you guys it's not like uh you know a single flake <laughs> you know drop no a single flake wouldn't save you and I, our sins are 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 you know massive we need abundant grace we need abundant mercy we need him to just pour it out on us and he does exactly that that's why we're, we're praising him. That's why we're thanking him. That's why we're, we're, we're in awe over his amazing grace. He is incredible. 
his mercy and grace is abundant. In other words, if you are in Christ, you're unbelievably blessed. You're blessed because you have redemption. Are you feeling a little bit more blessed, Christian? Non-Christian, are you beginning to see, like, the people are smiling around you now. They're getting excited about this stuff. Are you, are you seeing them and how blessed they are? That could be yours. That could be yours. If you turn to Christ and put your faith in him, you too will be blessed beyond belief, and you will have this first spiritual blessing as well, redemption. Let's move now to the second spiritual blessing that has been graciously given to believers in Jesus, and that is Revelation. And if redemption didn't cause you to smile instantly, maybe revelation doesn't do that for you either. But I have a feeling that when you're in the dark about something, and then you have that moment where the light bulb comes on, what happens to your face? What happens to your face? You're like, oh, what? That's why. I get it. That's what we need to happen to us. Because before God does this work, we don't get it. And we don't understand. Our hearts and our minds are darkened, the scripture says. We're, we're like groping around in darkness. We're, we're stumbling over stuff. We, guys, we don't know how we got here, who we are, what we're supposed to do when we're here, uh, what's going to happen after this. Like, we all know we're going to die. Like, we, we understand that fact. We see that. Uh, but w- what happens after death and, you know, how, how should we live in the time between now and when we die? All these things. We're in the total dark about these things. Christ and what he has done for us, the gospel, we're totally in the dark. Till God lavishly makes known this good news to us in all wisdom and insight. That is until we receive this spiritual blessing of revelation. And so notice in verses 8 through 10, it says that this, the grace uh, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Now, let me just pause there. So uh, you, when you start to hear about Christ, it may sound funny at first, and I don't get that, and I got a lot of questions, but as you keep hearing it and you keep hearing it, it's like light bulb after light bulb popping on. And for the rest of your Christian life, it's still like that. As God continues to open your eyes, he continues to make known, he continues to help your heart appreciate the glory and the wisdom of God in his plan of salvation in Christ. This is what God does for us. This is that second spiritual blessing mentioned in our text. He makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. When that light bulb comes on, and you realize that this gospel is not ridiculous, that it's not just foolishness, that that Christians aren't just weird, but they're supremely blessed because God has blessed them with spiritual blessings, then your heart too will erupt with joy. And you'll know what to do. And you'll know why why you're here. And you'll be able to see what you should be doing. And you'll be able to understand what's happening around you. That is what's going on here when God gives us this gift of revelation or illumination. When, when you look out into the world, you, you, you realize that it's a dark world. 
you realize that things are messed up. You realize, like, it doesn't take, you know, an enlightened person to know that, like, there's some stuff here that's broken. Something is not right. And for most people, that, that, that is, is, becomes clear to them through some injustice that they face. And they just know that this is not the way it should be. This should not happen to me. This was wrong. And so they know clearly that, that this is wrong. But they have no idea if there's ever going to be a way to make anything right. They have no idea that if there is a way to make things right, how that's going to take place or if it's going to take place. They don't know any of those things. That is until the Lord reveals it. And if you're here and you understand those things, then that's because the Lord has made it known to you in all wisdom and insight. He lavishes grace upon us and he makes known his plans. He makes known his will. Look at what it says here. It says that making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So, so here we have to understand what's being said here. There's something that's being made known to us in time. And what's being made known to us in time is the plan and the will of God that he decided with his son and the spirit before time to then be affected in time and revealed to us in time to then comfort and guide us to the end of time and assure us of his blessings upon us forever. Isn't that glorious? Like, this is incredible. The whole world is, is, is moving and people are freaking out and losing their minds. But beyond all that craziness, there's a stability and there's a, a consistency and the sun is still coming up at the same time and the moon is still there and the, the, you know, the sun hasn't burned up. And so what's going on here? The world is being providentially guided to the very goal that God has had from the beginning in his mind that he desired to effect. And that is to put it in a couple words, as Paul does here, unite all things in him. Unite all things or, or bring together all things or sum up all things in Christ or, or make Christ the one who fixes everything. Sin, death, rebellion. How are we going to fix these things? We have, we, have, we have angels who have been created and have gone astray. We have human beings who have been created and have gone astray. Who's going to fix this world that our first parents, Adam and Eve, gave up? Who's going who's to rescue humanity and bring things back into order? Who's going to conquer Satan, the prince of the demons? Who's going to slay that dragon? Who is going to kick the rebels out, establish a kingdom that we can enjoy and live under his perfect peace and righteousness forevermore. Jesus. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is the purpose of his coming. The purpose of his coming was the purpose of his will that he had from the beginning. 
and every knee shall bow to the Son, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the work that our Lord Jesus is doing and will do. And we get to be a part of that. And we get to know that. We get to understand how do we get here? God made us. Why are we here? To love God and glorify him, enjoy him forever. But we've blown that. So is there any hope for us uh, to not just be, be, be sentenced to prison forever in the lake of fire? Is there any hope for us? Yes, there's hope for us in Christ because he came and laid down his life. And by his blood, we can be forgiven and we can be reconciled to God. And if we're reconciled to God, then we are his sons. And if we are his sons, then we have redemption and we have an inheritance and we are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be glorious and so we know what's going on and so why the wait between now and the kingdom coming stuff why the wait between now and the, the the affecting of all these things and fixing everything through jesus it's because god is still making that known to people so that they can be saved as well this is why Paul says that his goal is to proclaim to the Gentiles the unsurpassable riches of Christ. God is still saving people. And he's doing like the coolest thing in the world. He's saving people from every tribe and every nation and every language. And Jesus Christ is ascended and on the throne in heaven. And he's not even on the earth. Yet he's got people all over the earth who are gathering together Sunday mornings to sing praises to him. Not to their king, uh, you know, their government, not to their, their earthly human kings, not to anybody else, but to Jesus all over the world, praising him for his glorious grace. That's incredible. And he's going to come, and people are going to rejoice in him and in his salvation. God, it says, is receiving glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's why we're waiting God is still revealing this to people. He's still saving his people. Do you feel more blessed that you know why you're here? What you're to do while you're here? What are you to do while you're here? If you believed in Christ and now you've enjoyed the, the, the riches of his grace, now you preach the riches of his grace. And yeah, outwardly we're wasting away and yes, we're growing old and we may even die before Christ comes and, and sets up his kingdom, but we can rejoice and we can be glad because we know what's coming. We know our future. We know that we will rise. We know that we will reign. We know that we will enjoy eternity with him. So we live different now. We live joyful lives. Joyful lives, giving thanks and praising God the Father, because he has turned on the lights for us. What a spiritual blessing. Are you feeling, are you feeling a little bit more blessed? Non-Christian, do you, do you see how blessed Christians are? The light can turn on for you too. I pray that the Lord does that as we continue to work through this. Our last spiritual blessing is inheritance. This is the third spiritual blessing that belongs to believers that should cause us to overflow with praise, thanksgiving, and joyful obedience to, to God. And, and so if, if redemption and revelation didn't instantly bring a smile to your face, maybe inheritance does. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, if my parents have money, you know, <laughs> I'd be smiling, but uh, right? Okay, okay. Uh, so then some of you get the joy, right, uh, of inheritance, and others of you 
see that what you're missing out on. You're like, man, yeah, that would be nice if somebody left a little something for me too. How many of you guys would like if a little something was left for you, right? You can be honest. <laughs> but not everybody gets it. Who gets it? Sons. Sons receive the inheritance. Believers in Jesus, whether you're male or female, are counted as sons, and they receive the inheritance. This is glorious. It should cause you to smile and be thankful to God. It's clear, though, that not everyone receives this inheritance. Look at what Paul says in Matthew chapter 25. Or excuse me, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. He says that you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So friend, if, if you die as a son of disobedient, disobedience, there is no inheritance for you. But if you are made a son, if you are adopted into the family of God from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, brought into adoption, and you enjoy sonship because of your faith in Christ, then you are a son, you are adopted, and guess what? The, the one who is adopted has all the legal rights to an inheritance. And the family that you just got adopted into has got some money. <laughs> a whole bunch of it. Literally owns the whole world. And, and he is going to give you not only his son, but graciously give you all things. You're going to get to enjoy and inherit the kingdom of his beloved son. There's nothing better than that. You're going to get to enjoy a resurrected body and a renewed and glorified creation, one that is waiting in eager anticipation to be set free, and you're going to be set free, and this creation is going to be set free, and we're going to be enjoying all the glories of Christ's kingdom in the new heaven and the new earth. The Lord Jesus, when he returns in Matthew 25, says, When the Son of Man comes... In his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Listen to this Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And jumping down to verse 41, it says that he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's so crucial to understand this point because as glorious a reality as inheritance is, there's a troubling reality that that inheritance is not for everyone. That inheritance is only for the sons and only for the adopted sons because we are not the natural son. We are not the, the firstborn we, and we have all gone astray. But Christ lived in our place, did all the work necessary for us to be saved and forgiven and reconciled to the Father. 
And because of the father's son, we get to be counted as adopted sons and be brought into the family and enjoy the inheritance. Not because of our works, not because of anything good that we did, but only because of God's grace, only because of the father who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Jesus talks about this in the Beatitudes when he says, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's gonna be people standing on this earth forever. They're gonna be the last ones standing. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is gonna cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. It's gonna be universal, it's gonna be glorious, and it's gonna be eternal but it's only going to be for sons. It's only going to be for those who are heirs. It's only going to be for those who have this inheritance because of Christ. Do you realize how blessed we are? And maybe you're thinking, well, let's, let's keep reading, and we have to keep reading what it says here uh, over in uh, in, in the rest of this verse. Verse 11 says that in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And what's crucial for us to realize here is it it raises the question, why some and not others, and, and why me and not them? Like you have to wrestle with that when you read this text. In him we have obtained an inheritance. But if it's not because of anything good we did, then then why is it? Why me? And the answer to that question is because God in his love wanted to. God in his love chose you before the foundation of the world. Before you did anything, God set his love on you. He he foreknew you. He decided to show mercy and grace to you. And it's ultimately that choosing that this inheritance is pointing back to and is pointing forward to, the way that we can know that it's sure is because it it is anchored in the will of God and in his electing sovereign will from before the foundation of the world. And it's that same electing will that then produces the results of that when we hear and lights go on for us and we receive redemption and we receive Christ and we receive the Spirit and we are made sons and we inherit the kingdom. In the Canons of Dort, it states this. This was a a council that got together to talk about this issue of predestination. It summarized the Bible's teaching on it this way, saying, Before the foundation of the world, by sheer grace, according to the free good pleasure of his will, he chose in Christ to salvation a definite number of particular people out of the entire human race, which had fallen by its own fault from its original innocence into sin and ruin, Those chosen were neither better nor more deserving than the others, but lay with them in common misery. Common misery. That is us. That is us. All of us lay in a common misery. And somehow, by God's grace, 
according to his good pleasure, which I cannot explain, which I cannot fathom, which I do not fully understand. He was pleased to choose you. He was pleased to choose me. We don't deserve any of it. And not just choose us, but choose us and hold us and keep us and lavish his grace upon us and do everything we needed to become his sons and enjoy his kingdom forever. What a glorious God. What a glorious God. This is what's being talked about here when it says that in him we have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God willed it. We did nothing to deserve it. And he didn't do it for everyone. Do you realize how blessed you are? Do you realize how blessed you are? It should humble you, and it should cause you to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit. We are unbelievably blessed. Christian, do you realize how blessed you are? You're blessed beyond belief. So go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and thank him. Go ahead and live a joyful life in in obedience to him. Go ahead and make known to everyone the riches of his grace. Talk about his grace. Talk about his grace this week. Talk about it. Try talking about his grace just just one day to every person. Just make that your goal one day. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to try to talk about God's grace to every single person today. and Just go and do it because you're just overflowing with the, the blessings that God has given you. Go ahead and do it, believer. Praise him and thank him and acknowledge him and give honor to him and worship him. In verse 12, it says that all of this, we, we were to receive all of this to the praise of his glory. So go ahead and praise him and brag on him. You are supremely blessed. So tell people about it. If you're here, you're not a Christian, and you've heard all about all of these blessings We want you to know you can come to him right now. You can come to him right now. Jesus says, Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can respond to the gospel right now and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. You can enjoy all these spiritual blessings. You can enjoy the blessing of redemption, the blessing of revelation, the blessing of this inheritance. If you'll put your faith in Christ, you get to enjoy it all. And we hope that you will. And we, we, we hope that you will praise him with us for all eternity, for his great grace, all to the glory of the Father through the Son and by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good, Lord. You are the giver of every good gift, every spiritual blessing that we have, Lord, has come from you through your Son and by your Spirit. Lord, you have given us your Son who bled on the cross for our redemption. You've given us your Spirit who opened our eyes to that glorious reality. And you did both of those things, Lord, in accordance with your sovereign will that you predetermined from before creation. Lord, we're humbled and we're dumbfounded by how much you have loved us. You have lavished 
grace upon us, Lord. We lay in common misery with so many others. And yet you chose us and saved us, Lord. Thank you. May we never stop growing tired of praising you. And Lord, may we never grow entitled. Lord, may we never act like, like spoiled brats, just grumbling and complaining and, 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 or, or even, even in our hearts becoming proud or arrogant in any way, Lord. You provided it all. You provided it all, Lord, so may we be humble and may we be thankful and may we know, Lord, that we are completely undeserving. But God, you have richly, richly blessed us and so we're thankful, Lord. All glory goes to you for the work that you have done through your son. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.